So we got Andre, Clay, and Brett. I want to thank you, uh, fine folks, uh, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to visit the spoiler room here and talk about your film, Derelicts. Awesome. Uh, first off, how's everyone doing? Amazing. Doing well? Yeah. Had the yeah. day off. Just been enjoying myself. <laughs> nice. Me. <laughs> I might have to briefly step away in a few minutes because I have something coming out of the oven. But, oh, that uh, that's fu- that's perfectly okay. You got it. That's <laughs> don't want to. I never stand between a man and his food. So okay. let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, so uh, derelicts is. Uh, I, I when I saw the film and I saw the opportunity to possibly talk to you, uh, ge- uh, gentlemen, I was like, oh, I've I've got to talk to the folks behind this just batshit crazy movie uh so i don't know uh who wants to uh do it but i usually like to get a synopsis of uh the film from the filmmakers so brett i don't know if you you want to give it a a go and just kind of give my listeners a, a synopsis of what your film's about well um the movie is about uh, a family on thanksgiving you know your typical completely dysfunctional family, but and uh, they have their home invaded uh, by a group of vagrants who uh, turn the entire house hold upside down. <laughs> uh, and, and crazy shenanigans ensue, I'm sure. Of course, uh, <laughs> of course, as as they would, as you would expect them to. Uh, now, I've got to ask, why Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's a holiday that had uh, its free real estate, you know, as they say. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's not as much uh, uh, Thanksgiving movies in general, let alone horror movies. So we kind of worked our way in there. <laughs> they just... I- yeah, go ahead, Brett. Yeah, I would, I, yeah, I would definitely second that. It, mm-hmm. it seemed ripe for the picking, and mm-hmm. uh, on top of that, it's just right a back. perfect excuse to uh, get everyone in the s- same place together. Sure, sure. Well, it, you know, and and on top of that, it's so it's a. I mean, Canada has it as well, but it's a pretty uniquely North American holiday, I would say, and I think I think that's. I think that's interesting to explore in its own way. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, yeah. I I always felt that. I, uh, I always felt uh, Thanksgiving was a uh, 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 missed opportunity. That you know, that's why in the Grindhouse, uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, one where you have the fake trailer for Thanksgiving. I always loved that and wanted that to be a movie. <laughs> I still want that to be a movie. <laughs> right. That would, that would be great. <laughs> window there where it looked like it was maybe going to be you know kind of like when machete was getting off the ground and stuff mm-hmm. but clearly never never ended up happening yeah just like uh no machete in space uh which i'm oh, just hey, yeah hey. <laughs> so uh i gathered from from the film uh that you are fans of grindhouse uh the old school kind of exploitation film for the way this opened because you open with like the retro credits, yet it's still modern. How fine of a line was that to not try to push it to where, hey, look at us be a 70s or grindhouse type film and still keep it kind of a modern film, but have that spirit? Was that kind of a challenge or? 
for me that it always had to be that way because I didn't want it to become off as pure. What are you making, Andre? Anyway. <laughs> what is? <laughs> uh, I didn't want it to come off as pure homage. I wanted sure. it to be an actual exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. So it had so it had to be of the moment. It had to be of the day, but I needed it to have that that feel and. Uh, it did. It was. It ended up not being too fine a line mm-hmm. to to have to hold. Uh, once once you have the style down, how you want to do it, uh, and then the story is just a, a separate entity to that. I feel like it just is more of a vibe too, in, mm-hmm. in a certain way. Like uh, it's just very much just like exploiting the people's situation, um, and then, but also I feel like we use a lot of kind of wonkier uh, cinematography and it looks fresh we didn't try to like recreate like a grainy texas chainsaw massacre like film it <laughs> on like older stuff you know we kind of tried to make it look clean um but still gritty i don't know it is kind of a dirty looking movie <laughs> yeah i think even when once we had started i mean the that kind of wave of movies that did what you were referring to kind mm-hmm. of you know were made recently but tried to ape the the grindhouse aesthetic i think that had just been done you know plenty i think that aesthetic's been around for a little bit and it's like okay so i agree with what brett said that we just kind of wanted to make it just legitimately that and not really more in terms of the the heart of it in terms of the script but filming style and everything i think is a much more you know more modern kind of kind of approach or at least not trying to just recreate that I mean, at the end of the day, the elements that we're taking for the film stylistically are just things that, that I think, and I think, you know, me and my other people here thought are cool, that are uh, that are things that we like. And once you just apply that, you know, it, it happens mm-hmm. to coincide with a lot of those movies. Yeah, and, and that's the feeling that I got, and I appreciated that, because especially after... Tarantino and Rodriguez, they launched uh, Grindhouse. That's all you saw. <laughs> I mean, the, the voice, the poster, everything. It was like, you know, bikers from hell coming. And you're just like, oh, you know, <laughs> after you, you've only seen so many of those, it's like, we, we get it. And uh, which and is I, such an unsuccessful movie, too, right? I mean, like, right. <laughs> Grindhouse was a film. Yeah, we have all these, uh, you know, imitators. Yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't exactly successful. Uh, I mean, it, it, for cult fans, they enjoyed it, but it's like for oh, your mate. I loved it. I mean, mm-hmm. it just money-wise, I remember I was really disappointed that it didn't do as well as I had hoped it would. You know, then we maybe would have gotten those Thanksgiving movies. Or the- <laughs> I mean, it was released like as a two-parter, though, right? Like basically, people had to watch three and a half hours of movie. Not that that's abnormal nowadays, yeah. but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's such a niche niche movie, but it's so cool that that movie exists and that it got released. You know, even looking back, yeah. on it, that's insane that a studio released a three-hour double feature movie. Like that's you Texas know. Chili Parlor is like you know twenty minutes from where I live, <laughs> and Clay too, I guess. And that's yeah. yeah, that's where they shot a big portion of uh, Death Proof. Death Proof, yeah. yeah. All that stuff in the bar, basically, you know, uh, with the the lap dance and all that, but. Yeah, once we uh, <laughs> once we were all together in Austin, yeah, that's uh, going to the chili parlor is pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it's it 
we get a number of films like that, and that's why I like indie films especially is because uh, we get films like Derelicts uh, that I got the feeling like you just you, you wrote a film and made a film you wanted to make, and regardless of how it might be received, who gives a fuck, right? <laughs> To a certain extent, yeah. I mean, I, I would. I, well, I, I mean, I you, when yeah. people like it, but sure. but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I'm making what I would like. Sure. To see for sure, and you know, definitely an unsavory movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not every movie needs to be like happy go lucky, you know, whatever. But you know, we're all pretty big horror fans, and so I think mm-hmm. we just have the trust that we know that audience is out there. We, you know, we we've been around them. We know it exists. So, yeah, and and uh, there is definitely an audience out there for it. And I liked the characters you came up with for this film. Uh, I mean, first we get the the suburban family, which you know, I tried to weigh which was oh, more God. dysfunctional. Was it the suburban family? Or the derelicts, who was more dysfunctional? I mean, I liked that parallel. Did you did you work that in there on purpose like that? Oh, definitely. Very much I mean, so. We wanted we wanted the family and the derelicts to uh, be be uh, mm-hmm. parallels of each mm-hmm. other, and in some ways uh, opposites of each other. Sure. You know, as as vicious as the derelicts are they are a cohesive family unit uh, you know our 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 typical suburban family is not right they they are, they are truly at each other's throat and really uh it's the it's in the reversal that it's when the derelicts start to become a little more unhinged that that the dynamics start to change when the when they start to become less of a dynamic unit, you know, and when when the, we start to see a, a difference in the power dynamics of the film, I think it also let people kind of square up too. So it's like in every moment, you know, for the most part, it's like everybody has a counterpart that is going against the grain. You know, it's the opposite one of them. So nice tension building through the whole thing. And at least I can say for myself that I kind of wanted, and this kind of changed as it went along, but um, I wanted the people in this movie that were, you know, on the bad end of things to kind of have it coming. I wanted the audience to, I wanted the audience to not feel too bad for them, essentially. I wanted you to kind of be like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of what you, <laughs> but uh, as we went along, even filming it, and then once I saw a cut of the movie, I, I definitely felt more for characters than I thought I would, at least in terms of writing it. Characters, while writing it, I was like, yeah, this person is getting what they have coming. And then seeing it, I was like, oh, wow. Let's take a turkey leg in this one. Yeah. Not every character, but some characters. I was like, I'm surprised at how much I am kind of feeling that when they finally do me to demise. But uh, I think that's the performance, man. We got some lucky actors, not just me and Clay, obviously. We we, we got some excellent performances. And I think the speaking lines are great. Yeah, yeah. Never give Andre speaking lines. He'll just cook food in the background. <laughs> no, that's not true. I only do that when we have podcasts scheduled. Uh, no worries at all. That, that just makes me hungry, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, eggplant parmesan. It came out really good. Ooh, Ooh that does that sound tasty. <laughs> I hope you brought enough for everyone. 
<laughs> oh, I made a shit ton. I'm not going to lie. If you guys were all here, we'd all have, we'd be getting, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, yeah, and uh, that was what I found interesting with your cast of characters. Now, did you have some people in mind? I mean, Clay and Andre, you were both in front of the camera. Did you write those parts for you, or <laughs> did, did you kind of fall into them? Or, uh, you know, uh, for the casting, how did that would, go about for the film? I would say a little bit of both. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little bit of falling into it, a little bit of like, all right, now I know what kind of character I'm going to be. We can kind of write for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we just kind of wanted to have like a good motley crew, as it were, of of derelicts. I know um, the main thing is we basically came up with all the derelicts' names from naming them after various deli meats. <laughs> and also somehow the deli meat in a way dictated like the type of character they were. Like, uh, for example, Clay plays Sal, which is short for salami, which we all kind of decided was like the grossest of the deli meats. <laughs> Then uh, Bo is baloney. She's kind of like the the bullshitter. Cap is a uh, cap, cap, Capicola, right? Capicola is a little more refined, a little bit fancier. And you got uh, uh, Black Forest. Black Forest ham. That explains the, the name. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, that kind of uh, gave us an archetype. Very mm. very rough one though. Uh, then we were able to fill the blanks. Uh, we also, in, uh, you know, talked about potential actors that we did have in mind. You know, I think we were realistic oh, yeah. as to well, who we, you know, <laughs> obviously no one really of name in this, but uh, you know, we kind of used that as a just a jumping point. You know, kind of saying, all right, this is the type of actor that we're kind of looking for. You know, and I think we threw around, for example, for Cap. You know, we're all big RoboCop fans, so Kurtwood <laughs> Smith was kind of something we used just kind of as that jumping. <laughs> Or for Black Forest, we kind of thought about like a uh, an alien era Yafet Koto. Mm. So uh, just to, to giving us a base to kind of craft the character on and, and help them come alive a little bit more, I think. So did it take a while to get uh, your cast together? Uh, was there was there a long process with that finding the right people? That was an extensive process because when you have an on uh, when you have a, a, a film where ninety percent of the movie is nine people in a room together mm-hmm. uh it needs to say they need to hit it, the ball out of the park you know? it needs it really needs to play it needs to be basically on the level of a theater of a theater performance and mm-hmm. so you want to get people who are really really quality who work really really well together and it took a long time but it was well worth the work we put into it and we, we were casting really down to the wire before we really had to hit rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some parts were easier to cast than others. Uh, right. Some walked in and we knew it right when we saw it. And I always like to give uh, less credit who plays Cap because he was, I, if I remember right, he was the first audition we saw, period. Uh, and he, and- he came in and just kind of blew us out of the water and we're like, well, let's time for our expectations. We got other people to look at. But- <laughs> But it was the kind of thing well, I, down, said, I said, look, as far as I'm concerned, we could stop on cap right now and just hire less right now. You did say we, that. <laughs> we did look at other people, but yeah, I mean, it was just one of those. But then others were a little tougher. Leslie mm-hmm. was tough because mm-hmm. we need someone who is young or at least looks young, but has this kind of petulant man-child quality about them. And so that <laughs> was a little harder to find. That was kind of a specific mm-hmm. 
We Dip. ended up we ended up going with our friend Dalton because naturally he was just born to play the role. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, he he does like improv and stuff, and he actually is really great. He just he is totally he again knocked that role out of the park just like, and that's like a really demeaning part. Like <laughs> he to like play that like <laughs> he rolls uh, around in he it. He, he gets dirty. You know? He does get real dirty. <laughs> it's, it's a filthy character, not just because he had flies blowing around him in the beginning of the film. Uh, I'll tell you the oh, funny yeah. thing: that fly is uh, was a happy accident. <laughs> uh, we 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 saw the fly land on his face, and we oh, said, "All right, we're just going to have to add a little enhancing audio there." <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. Someone was writing down buzz. <laughs> okay, can you give me some? So, uh, Clay, uh, your character Sal is, I will say, there's different tiers I see of people on here, and he, he really is. I mean, what'd you what'd you do to prepare for for this role? I mean, did you pull from any uh, <laughs> like um, you know '70s guys like from a Last House on the Left and and I Spit on Your Grave type guys? I mean, where'd you get the uh, inspiration for this guy? <laughs> For sure. Uh, when even when it came to writing, I, you know, I would say I think early Wes Craven was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Last House on the Left, Tales Have Eyes, um, and I think Sal is the biggest product, uh, or the or the biggest um, probably callback to something like Last House on the Left, mm-hmm. where he there's nothing really extraordinary about him. He's just a, a disgusting, icky person that just seems to get their jollies from inflicting neon loogies man yeah in fact and sal was in in my mind and i think sal when we wrote it was the least defined character i think Mm -hmm. Uh, we knew that he was going to be very sexually charged uh and and you know that was part of the the name the salami name uh but and so in my mind yeah last house on the left it was just kind of like he was this character that was like encompassing all of those characters he was but also turned up you know, dirtier, more aggressive, more just, uh, you know, and I wanted to be dumb and I did kind of a, you know, thing where I did this kind of, <laughs> there it is. That's a, that's a VHS. VHS. Oh, well, that's going to be extra grimy then. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted him to have a distinct voice. So I did a kind of like this underbite thing. Cause I figured this is also someone who has had his ass kicked a lot. Sure. <laughs> I think this is someone who has instigated more fights than he can, you know, write more checks than he can cash, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> this is someone who... Uh, he writes is, a lot of checks he can't cash. Yes. <laughs> his mouth has gotten him into trouble, and so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was just... And he was the character, again, since it wasn't, I think, that super defined in the script, definitely in pre-production is when... Uh, and rehearsals is where the character kind of started to take action. And, and Andre, you uh, played Turk, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, which I I loved the Turk character as well. This feral boy type of thank you deal going on. Um, yeah, would you draw from inspiration for for him? You're you're uh, a pet. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I I feel like he's definitely kind of. The character that you maybe you would have seen in um uh, uh god what's the name of that movie i'm forgetting now like you know it's like a wrong turn kind of oh character. sure like mm-hmm. uh, obviously uh, uh leatherface deliverance that's the one yeah i feel like turk also is in the same universe as the deliverance movie um 
So just very, you know, inbred, scary, mm-hmm. nonverbal. Um, yeah. Uh, um, how'd you come up with that mask, though? <laughs> that is yet again another happy accident. Um, it was kind of like I we knew it was going to be a bear mask. And then I think we were just like describing it to our costume guy. And he was like, so your head is going to be in the body of like a teddy bear. And then we were just kind of like, yes, <laughs> that that should exactly be what it is. Because uh, my initial drawing was just like, like a giant, you know, like bear head, basically, mm-hmm. just like a stumped, you know, like the eyes would be here or whatever. But we went with the whole thing. So like my head is inside where the body is. And the legs kind of come out here and there. Um, and that was obviously like a way more upsetting. It was a happy accident from a misunderstding of like what teddy bear mask was. Oh, there it is. It hasn't been washed <laughs> in um, like six years. Still very stinky. It, well, in the script, it was we hadn't come up with it yet. In the script, it was just a bag over his head. It was very, uh, very Jason Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Uh, and then once we'd finished the script, uh, you know, we said, okay, we got to come up with something a little more original. We need to, you know, have something distinct that kind of sets this apart. And, uh, well, and yeah, wanted some kind of... while, it's like a bear, but then the then it became a, a whole bear. Also, kind of you know, costume change aspects to it too. Yeah. I mean, I knew we, I knew we would probably change the mask as we went into production. I really wanted a character that was distinct and had that distinct silhouette. And as soon as the, we came across the teddy bear head, that just was kind of too perfect. It's, you immediately recognize that character just from their shape. Well, in making yep. it a, making it a pink teddy bear gave the Turk character, I think, immediately visually a childlike quality to it rather than, like, say, a regular brown bear because that pink bear stood out. And, you know, you kind of... A pink bear kind of resemble, You know, you, you associate that more, I think, mentally with a little younger child, and, and Turk was more, you know, the feral younger of the bunch. So I think, uh, yeah, I loved the bear. I loved the bear bear. I've never seen, I don't think an actual bear teddy bear with the head still on uh mask <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah so uh and also the pink kind of helped like as soon as we realized it was a pink teddy bear for me on my end that helped dictate a little bit of the color palette of the film mm, you know mm-hmm. it's got that it's got that some that that color palette of something you'd spit in the sink after roughly brushing your teeth <laughs> <laughs> the flesh color the yellows and the, and the blood yeah yeah I, I i found the colors interesting and i and i like the fact that you didn't do the damaged film look throughout the whole thing yet it still had a, a gradient to it that felt a little old school as far as how you colorize that. So that was on purpose. That was kind of what you were going for with it or. Oh, for sure. I mean, I wanted, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not going, I'm not going in and like, I want it to look older. I want it to look how that mm-hmm. story dictates the film should look. Sure. And that's how the story dictated the film should look. Well, I, I think it helped with the griminess as did the cap character who just was throwing Manson vibes at me. <laughs> But at the same time, also a bit of uh, uh, Bill Mosley's character from, 
House of a Thousand Corpses. You know that that charisma personality to where he's not just dumb crazy. This is this is a guy who's smart in that. So where where did the Cap character come from? I mean, there's definitely a little Bill Mosley in there. I think I and you I picked like up you on the nail on the head. The, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> it, it, it's that very Rob uh, Zombie. He's a Rob Zombie character, I would say. But very man, and the Manson stuff really, I think, came in when we started going into the rehearsals, and the and the actors started actually uh, developing their backstories with me, and. Um, so that you know, he's got the X in the forehead. That I, I to a certain extent, I gave the actors a little leeway with designing their makeup, mm-hmm. uh, whatever would help them feel more in the role, and uh, that came out of that. Yeah, well, and I, I think it helped sell the character for me because by kind of associating him with the Manson and that type of character, you see his charisma and why he's got the derelicts around him. You know, uh, which I found interesting, the the relationship between him and Black Forest. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Because I thought it was an interesting dynamic between those two. You get that wonderful scene with the tie. I mean, these people are disgusting people. And I'm like sitting here going, this is a wonderful scene with Black Forest and Cap about how to wear a tie in that. Where, you know, what, what about the dynamic? And he's like shirtless. Yeah, <laughs> just not putting on a tie in any of the normal fashion. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite moments, and uh, it was one of my favorite moments to film because of the, the really wonderful performance dynamic between mm-hmm. Sam Pleasant, uh, who plays Forrest, and Les Best, who plays Cap. Uh, giving them that small human moment of mm-hmm. actually these people do care about something and it's each other and maybe nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as their dynamic goes, once again, when we got into the rehearsal process, I encouraged the actors if they wanted to, to Les and Sam both were filling out pages and pages of backstory for themselves and discussing <laughs> it with me here and there. And I know how, exactly how their characters met. And it comes, and when you do that kind of thing, it always it comes through. Mm-hmm. That that I, that that work is worthwhile. I think it definitely does because you get the feeling that the derelicts themselves are a ragtag group, and mm-hmm. they all have a history. And like, there's, I guess I shouldn't really go into any like spoiler stuff, but like, there's moments where you can see like, all right, even within the derelicts, there's like groups or like mm-hmm. teams, and you can kind of see them interact, and you know when they kind of clash, you know how they're going to split up pretty much. I feel like that makes them even more kind of unwieldy. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, they're going to kill each other before they even start killing the family that they're kind of taking hold of. So I think we definitely want to add that. It adds a level of unpredictability because, mm-hmm. because we know that there's, a, there's always a little trouble in paradise. <laughs> And I like the little uh, slight bit of humor. Uh, I don't know that it reads necessarily as funny, but it's funny the, the fact that in that tie scene that Forrest is expressing to Cap that this family makes him really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> He's the one who's like, I don't know about this. <laughs> He's like, maybe we should just split. You know, I really don't like these people. <laughs> it's like, you invaded their home. What are you talking about? Yeah, it, it's a great scene. I, I, it was kind of an unexpected scene 
in a pleasant way in this film that has all these kind of intense moments with these crazy folks tormenting uh, this this dysfunctional suburb family. Uh, the suburb family, where did you grab those characters from? Did you know those people? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the first I had version of them, they were definitely a little bit more well-off. Mm-hmm. Like, I think our initial idea was like, yeah, this is like um, like some rich people and like these, these like vagrants, they break in and you almost like literally don't ever feel bad for the rich people to a certain extent. But then, <laughs> Due to like actual cost, it kind of to certain extent it's actual cost more reasonable level, (laughs) but it still worked. It worked almost even better because Mm -hmm. it is more like kind of a nuclear family, you know. Yeah, at Uh, a certain point in the draft, we realized they're struggling. They're they're suburban, maybe living a little bit above their means. Mm -hmm. They're struggling, which I think speaks to the reality of today a little bit too. as far as we had that idea, honestly, yeah. I'm really glad uh, we don't necessarily know these people personally, at least in our <laughs> our families. Sure. But I think oh, you mean the all... bean whackers? Yeah, yes. no, I don't know. That's any their bean last whacker. name, by the way. What is bean whacker? Bean whacker. <laughs> it's in the script. It's never in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> bean whacker that's very fitting for them actually yeah because uh, i felt like you embodied like every uh bad thing because i knew not quite like those that had all those tropes but people from suburbia you like embodied like took every trope and and story and and habit you've seen from suburbia and shoved it all into this family uh i mean from you know the daughter with her issues the, the you know leslie and him uh the the parents the the granddad who's imposed himself kind of on this family i mean it, i was watching it going yeah i've i've seen bits and pieces of these people you know especially growing up in the 80s because uh, i'm a bit <laughs> of an old fart you know the whole yuppie angle it was like yeah, this is kind of like, okay, these these are a little bit in the spirit of, of kind of the 80s yuppies of, yeah, the, you know, the drugs and, and, and all of that. And uh, so I, I've got to ask who, now I know Andre and, and Clay were in front of the camera, but uh, I'll start with Brett. Who who would you say was your uh, character that you, you liked the most? I'll put you on the spot here, that, that you kind Ooh. of, that you enjoyed the most. At the writing stage for sure i loved writing for black forest actually mm-hmm. he uh he's a rich character he monologues <laughs> it's it you know he he had a he had a rich inner life there and he was mm-hmm. really fun to uh to pull that out and to pull that out in, the, in sam's performance as well he just does ama- just an amazing job with it Clay, what about you? Besides, besides your character, uh, who would you say was was one of your f- uh, favorites? Uh, yeah, definitely from a writing standpoint, it it was a toss up. Black Forest, I agree, was was really fun to write. Um, but since Brett said that, uh, I like Brandon Francis, the grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, huh? Alexander? I just said yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For me, he especially, and this did not change. I he was the punching bag. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I any chance I could when we were writing that I could insert something unpleasant to happen to Francis, I would. <laughs> and you know, it's like any opportunity. It's like let's do it. It's like let's they break in. Let's have someone spit on his head. They open champagne. Let's have the cork hit him in the face. <laughs> like I just want all these little. And then of course there's a scene where he uh, needs to take a bathroom break. Yes. And I mean, while we were writing that, I mean, I was in tears laughing because that was so funny to me. And the it happened, <laughs> his character especially was funny to me. <laughs> so um, it was fun for me to torture. I liked coming up with ways to make life unpleasant for that man. <laughs> You're a sadist. There, there you go. Clay, Clay's got something against old people, and he wanted to see one torture. Right? Right? There you go. Just Francis. Just Francis. I think we were very merciful to our other older character. Yes, you were. She missed out on all the fun. Uh <laughs> Honestly, she had the best time. I mean, I think at the end of the day, in, in the reality of that situation, everyone else had a worse day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, with a smile on her Probably. face. So, you know, at least right. a, a couple smiles, which mad props. Uh, uh, older people in sexual situations, you do not see that often. And... <laughs> Ageism, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole thing. It's all Hollywood's fault. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, old people deserve loving. They, they should, they, they, they get it on. And you know, uh, I figured it's a great way, you know, to include in the film. You know, it's got its violence, it needs its mm-hmm. sex, but let's have the sex be unconventional. It's, well, not unconventional <laughs> for film standards, not conventional in your everyday. People, sure. people, people, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> My mom walked in and heard that. <laughs> Well, well, you're here, right, Brett? So there you go. I mean, uh, you know, had to happen at least once, right? Uh, no. Right. <laughs> no, but I, I, I appreciated that too because you're right. You don't see that often, and there's this, especially in the film world, it's like looked. I don't know if it's looked down upon or not considered attractive because you have two older people having sex. But yes, old people have sex. My mother, God rest her soul, I lived with her. She was a single, she was a, a, a single parent. And yes, yes, parent, older people have sex, and, <laughs> they, and do. they don't buy houses with thick enough walls. Let's put it that way, okay? It just <laughs> <laughs> like like in your movie. <laughs> so. Correct. Basically, yeah. You can hear him from every room. <laughs> and in that house that would have totally been the case. One hundred percent. In real life IRL. Now how'd you pick also... oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna ask, how'd you get the the house, by the way? I was gonna ask for the location uh that you picked. Uh in terms of the house, uh it was a rental. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee they will never rent it to another film crew again. <laughs> guarantee. Uh, you, there's, you might recall there's a, there's a shot in the movie where Clay is walking and it's a low angle. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you can see a blood stain on the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't supposed to be there. But once you have it there, you got to put it on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Once you have it there, you got to put it on camera. Good luck painting over it. Um, There's a few things where you look at the movie and it's like, this house is genuinely getting wrapped up. And then when you have that many cast and crew walking up and down a shag carpet staircase, 
Oh yeah. It, it wears it down. Yeah. I oh yeah. We just wear. like the floor. I remember getting destroyed. We put padding down, and I mean they had the dollies too, which weigh like five hundred pounds. That might be an At exaggeration. Least. I don't know. That, no, but that might be a statement. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. They yeah. that house took an absolute beating. <laughs> How big of a challenge was it to shoot in that dining room? Because most of it takes place in that dining room, but they didn't with all the cast. And you got lighting and all the other equipment, I know, behind the scenes. Uh, what kind of challenges did that pose? <laughs> the unhappy faces on people in some of those scenes are genuine. <laughs> it's, it's hot. It's July in Austin, Texas, in a house that you have to turn the air conditioning out on because that's the only way you're going to get clean audio. Uh, and you've got film lights and you have a large amount of people in a small room together you know of course there's the cast but then add the crew and everyone else and it's uh, it was hot it was miserable it was it was the kind of thing where if you didn't have to be in that dining room you weren't anywhere near it mm -hmm. you were either upstairs you were outside the dining but room upstairs though i mean it's like hot up there too because you're just on the second level of the house so there was pretty you'd much go, no go, anyone who was upstairs or... pretty much was either setting up for the next shot or asleep on top of each other <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> i i could actually uh relate at least a little bit to that i got to be on an indie film shoot where we shot in the the, the uh top part of a barn in the middle of summer. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course it chose that weekend to have no wind. So we opened up the doors and there was nothing. You know? <laughs> just more warm air, you know? <laughs> so yeah. That, but that added to it and it kind of gives you that whole little Texas Chainsaw Massacre type feel to it, right? With the sweaty really room. Sure. Everybody yeah. is drenched the entire time. It looks awful. It feels awful. It's you see that. <laughs> I mean, you hear those stories about the shooting of that movie, particularly their dinner scene and how awful that was. Mm -hmm. And it just became, and of course, that was an influence on us as well. And it's personally my favorite uh, horror movie. And so when we're shooting that, it's like, yes, yeah, this kind of weird, like we've turned into that scenario. Granted, they had it much worse. They had rotting food on the table. Yeah. They had to smell Gunnar Hansen, which apparently was really awful. <laughs> so it wasn't, I don't think as bad as they had it, but it was the same scenario. We had Brett, you know. Well, <laughs> you, had, you know, I did have I, me sleeping out in the backyard in a tent, walking out with a pipe between my teeth in the morning, like, let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> but uh, it did add to the to the quality, and I think that add just you know while it is a uh, makes it a rough challenge to act, I think it added to it because it really felt. I mean, I'll agree. After I got done watching this film, I wanted to take a shower because I just felt, I, you know, I just felt like filthy. I just like oh, I love it. It's a bit of a compliment for sure. Shower. That's because, pretty much because, the intended reaction. You are human. Everything checks out. It makes me think of the first time I rented on VHS. I rented Last House mm -hmm. on the left. And <laughs> and I immediately after watching it, I was like, wow, I want to be clean now. <laughs> well, it was just like uh, when I watched I Spit on Your Grave as well, the original. You, you don't. You don't casually go, wow, I need to watch a movie tonight. Should I watch Maximum Overdrive? Nah, I'll watch I Spit on Your Grave. You don't just pop that movie. 
Dude. You go with Maximum Overdrive, and you have a and you have a beer, and you have a nice oh, time. <laughs> absolutely, I love Maximum Overdrive. One of my favorites, along with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I spit on your grave. I the only time I ever have watched it is when someone goes, "I've never seen it," and I'm like, "Okay, uh, <laughs> let me ruin your day for you. Think you're in for a treat." <laughs> I sat with. I my, actually, my, yeah. supposedly, I've heard the story from my aunt that there was a year where. Uh, you know, it doesn't, we're in Texas, so it doesn't snow too often, but there was a snowstorm coming and people were going to have to stay in. And uh, my parents apparently went to a blockbuster to rent something and there were people were getting ready for the storm. So a lot of stuff had been checked out. And one of the only things left was I spit on your grave and they didn't know what it was. And they were. They rented it? Oh, no. <laughs> that was the first time I had heard of that movie, my aunt telling me that story. And I was just like, there's a movie called I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> <laughs> tells you everything you need to know about it, man. I mean, opinions of the so movie, is, whatever opinions you may have of the movie, that's a great title. Yeah, that is a great title. Well, going back, movie. going back to us trying to kind of distance from aping the the grindhouse style too much. Mm -hmm. uh, you were trying to come up with a title for this movie. I was partial to the title, "Hobo Hobo Get Out of My House," <laughs> but it was, again because. <laughs> because like things like hobo with the shotgun, it's like let's not use the word hobo. Mm -hmm. I think that was uh, the objection, which makes sense. But I still, I feel like we definitely used hobo. Like, would, that was the word we used, but we, yeah, for mm -hmm. purposes of just like differentiating, we're like, yeah, let's just not have that. <laughs> well, derelicts, I, I like the, but the word derelicts, I think, is fitting, and that's that. You know, not to get too weird but with words when you say certain words you say derelict that that's something right away i mean hobo kind of has this feel to it like oh yeah you know he's a hobo he's just carefree through life you know he's a well, derelict <laughs> yeah derelict is if hobo i think 1930s riding a train like kind of jolly kind of like like the homeless santa <laughs> You, you know, he, he's hit hard times. You feel sorry for the hobo. He's got the bulls that attack him. You got a derelict, the derelict right there. I mean, it's exactly what, no offense, Clay, what the Sal character is. You, you yeah. say derelict, the Sal character, that's the epitome. You're like grimy, dirty, the derelict of society, a guy who lives on the streets, doesn't take a bath. He He's very sexual and just violent and, you know... <laughs> Well, and you know that that culture. I think part of the reason why derelicts exist is the fact that we live in Austin. And I don't want to get too much into this, but Austin has just like an incredible uh, homeless population issue, mm -hmm. and it's hard to take a step downtown, you know, without running into someone. And so that, uh, and you know, Austin's a pretty safe city, but you know, sometimes things happen. I saw right in front of me at a red light two homeless people get into an altercation that looked like it could have gotten violent. Uh, and so some of that just kind of creeped in. It's like, this is something that we're around a lot and, and it creates unease, you know, people, it can make you uncomfortable. It can, you know, make you uneasy. And, it, and I think that idea where the, especially the scene where white forest shows up and, you know, they roll down the window. Uh, that's one of those things that's just like, Oh, what if, of course that's 99 plus that's not going to happen, but that like, <laughs> that that could have, you know, you're opening yourself up to that and someone could just kind of, ah. Get in at, there. At the end of the day, though, I think it's important to note, like, you know, when you actually sit down to talk with a lot of those people who are on the street in Austin, they're just 
regular mm-hmm. people. And that's really what I think makes people uncomfortable about seeing them mm-hmm. is that that could be you. And you don't want to acknowledge that. You don't want to think of that. And I think that's, that's kind of society like, we like to pretend like doesn't exist, but it's you know, true. Fucking shit happens, you know? You know, but some of them were some of the nicest people I'd met. I'd meet. You know, you'd buy them a burrito and they'd chat for hours. Mm-hmm. Or you give away a Bayou Blue pizza that you decide you don't want for some reason, Brett. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, I I had leftovers. I was like, you know what, this guy needs it more. Yeah. <laughs> well, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you're right. It's. It, I think that is what makes people uncomfortable is that you're just realize you're two one or two bad situations away from being that person Um, but i i think that plays into the thematics of the movie too Mm -hmm. is that you're a few bad days away from being desperate enough maybe even to do some do things you never think you would do Mm -hmm. and that that's a thin line between the families yeah well i mean when when we you think about further with the suburban family, that's what I loved about him was the fact that there isn't that much. I mean, you got the dad who, you know, he's struggling and we find out more dark secrets of the family as you go on and you realize, wow, they're only a, like a skip away from the derelicts in many respects from, from going that extreme. I mean, and especially with the Constance character who, um, I, 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 not to spoil the ending, but I tell you, the ending has me thinking, has me thinking of exactly how everything played out, um, all because of Constance and, and what you do with her at the end. It felt a little bit open ended. Did you, did you write it like that on purpose to kind of make you think about, well, the events that I just saw, where did they actually land in Constance's timeline? <laughs> I mean, you want to, I think the importance of adding that, you don't want to just add a vague ending right? for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. The point for me in my, in my process was that you, we, we, I really wanted to lay out, this is what it's about. This is her reality. She is the closest, I think, at the end of the day to being any one of those derelicts. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she has the mindset for it. I think she also has the ruthlessness for it. <laughs> I, I could see her. Yeah, I could definitely see her doing that. Um, but but that's what I liked about the ending, too, as well, because it also was in the spirit of uh, those older films, though it it just uh, made me rethink kind of the whole whole film of in, in context and go uh, try to f- figure out, oh, Okay, you know, is was this Constance wanting this to happen? Did this actually happen? It it is a little bit of enigma. It was for me anyway. Um, I don't know if that was what you truly intended, but maybe I missed it. But uh, and I, I like movies that make you think, though. And uh, though I did kind of want to just see her completely like go, you know, <laughs> full full on just uh, you know postal. <laughs> I think I think that's the ending that everybody wants. Like when you're watching it, you're like, "All right, I feel it coming." Like, "All right, we're at the gun crate. Like things are kicking up, you know." And then, you know, like you said, you kind of have the ending that we put in, and it becomes more introspective, which is, I feel like, ultimately the point of the movie. It's like, oh, this isn't just like a 
schlocky horror movie. It is a schlocky horror movie inside of a not schlocky <laughs> horror movie. I think I said that backwards, actually. So, so the opposite <laughs> of what I said. But, uh, but yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. in the way... It's, it's That's also in the spirit of the exploitation movies mm-hmm. is often that they would use the exterior of the grime to... Mm-hmm. It was a Trojan horse for an idea. Mm-hmm to present you know at the end of the day when i look at something like texas chainsaw massacre that's a movie all about the generation gap it's about a, and 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 the cultural conflict of uh, coming out of vietnam that is right. what that movie is about it's a group of hippies encountering very much some red state types <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that culture class. chainsaw country yeah you don't want to go to chainsaw country i live I had something brought up to me recently for the first time, or or I can't remember where I heard it, but it raised the question of dissecting in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, how much of what is done in that movie is technically illegal because of Texas's stand-your-ground laws? It's like Leatherface's first several kills are, frankly, illegal, I think. (laughs) (laughs) They do. I think they would have problems with the torturing and chopping up of people would probably be where his issues mostly lie. But yeah, they come into property and they blow them away. I mean, at the end of the day, that would just probably go into abuse of a corpse law. (laughs) It's self-defense. They came came into his house. (laughs) It's the opposite of Daryl. In that way. <laughs> reverse it's, it's, a, it's a reverse home invasion it's a home invasion movie of sorts because oh. it's just Leatherface is terrified people are coming into it <laughs> popping left and right but there's literally that shot of him looking out the window like are there more like what the what's going on <laughs> I love you guys you're justified the actions of, of Leatherface I love this, this is, <laughs> because I love you know well what's uh, what's great and actually I'm glad you brought it up uh, because you kind of have that a bit in this film, um, and I, I was wondering if it was a conscious decision, especially in our modern world today. You have your exploitation elements. You do have Clay, who's very violently sexual. You do have scenes in here, but at the same time, you're not as explicit, and this is actually a welcome. It seemed like you had more of the mental level of what happened to these people than the actual displaying of the violent sexual actions that are implied. I mean, we, we see the beginning, we see the end. You do get a part in the beginning where she's staring at the phone and you get Clay trying to get with her, but nothing felt as far as sex wise where you showed it blatantly. We kind of saw the beginning and the end. Was that what you kind of go for with the implied I mean, in my idea, in my view, and this is probably more specifically me, uh, anything you put the lens on, you automatically fetishize to a certain extent. And there's mm-hmm. certain acts that I'm not going to show explicitly mm-hmm. uh, because of the, of the nature of what a camera does to them. Right. Um, not if I want them to resonate in the, in the way that I intend them to resonate. Mm-hmm essentially so you know right that i think that in the movie even you know the most terrible stuff i think there's always kind of in my mind a tinge of comedy and i think that that's the one scene where there's no comedy like it's just it's it's the you know in my opinion hands down it's the ugliest scene in the movie Mm -hmm. Uh, i was not looking forward to (laughs) to shooting that scene (laughs) 
No um, one was. No, I did write the scene. I remember because I think at that point we probably knew that I was going to be doing it, and so it was like, well, since I'll be doing it, I'll you know figure out exactly how it's going to work out. But uh, I just think that that's the one scene where I mean, there's not no hint of of a, of a chuckle or a weird offline. It's just it is what it is. Yeah, but and but again though, I you you have. You give enough to start someone's brain going, but you more show the beginning and the end, and I liked it because I think what gets implied sometimes has a bigger effect oh, than sure. actually showing it. I mean, you, yeah. we met, we were talking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I joke to people. I love it, and they're like, oh, how can you watch it so graphic? I'm like, is it really? I'm like, think of gore factor-wise. People think, like, how much gore is actually in there and how much is implied or shown just There's not a lot of blood in that movie. they, they were going exactly. they were going for a pg rating <laughs> they were and, which seems ridiculous in <laughs> retrospect but they were they were going for a pg rating and you can see how it just so it's just so much of just what the film is mm-hmm. at its core that it's just makes a it so film. ugly <laughs> it's a yucky movie it it it, it you know, and in a way, Derek is like that. It is is that it's the yucky movie. There's a lot you do show, which I loved all the practical effects. Thank you for doing practical effects for nearly everything in here, <laughs> because CGI blood is just you can't. I've never seen CGI blood done right. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much, we're not, we, we might get there eventually, but we're probably not there yet. Mm-hmm. I. I I can think of very few times I've seen CGI blood right, and it's never done right on a low budget. Yeah. Well, uh, e- even yeah. on a high budget, I, I saw the one uh, sniper movie oh, that Clint Eastwood directed. I forgot the name of it, but they opened oh, it. Oh, American, American Sniper. Sniper? Yeah, American Sniper. And they opened with him doing a sniper shot. And I, you watch the guy fall. I'm like, they CGI blood on the back of that person. And you can totally tell. It was yeah. like. Especially yeah. when you see it. Clint Eastwood. That guy makes like a movie. I mean, for a while, that guy was making like a movie a year. So yeah. That's like exactly. He just was like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Just like <laughs> CGI blood. I mean, like, I, I, I don't, on. I don't want to sh- necessarily shit on Clint Eastwood, but he, he. he I'm not you know, shitting on Clint Eastwood. It's no, 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 no but, but, but I say that, but, 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 but the idea that he's like, I'm going to do one and two takes and be done. I, I disagree with that. <laughs> and I, and I think it show. I think it honestly shows in a movie like American Sniper the fact that he's got the fake baby and. It's the baby. The baby. The baby. Is baby. Oh, yeah, you just, that's just like a bad call. Like, it's, get a real it's baby. not a. It's you don't not have like a, a grandchild that's not a baby. Yeah, and if it have kids, he's ancient. You know, if I made one movie, if I made a single movie that was as good as Unforgiven, I would never work. I would never have to work again. I would be happy, <laughs> but but still. You know, yeah, I think it, it was never even a, a unless it was just an absolute necessity uh, that that came up. But yeah, I mean, we we knew we wanted to do everything practical. We're that's what we love. We know that that's the best. We <clears throat> even if a practical effect, you know that it's fake. The eye knows that it's there, and that's the the biggest difference. The eye knows what is physically there, and seeing someone interact with anything that's physically there is always going to be preferable. And um, and we, I agree. We I think we were lucky. We had some very good special effects. I don't want to say lucky. We had a great team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team that put together the uh, a bit that involved I don't get suppose a bit that involves an eyeball um, was terrific. When I saw the footage of that, I laughed and clapped, and I was like, perfect. I said they did such a great job. <laughs> 
all all the effects visceral grimy looked real and that's why i like the practical effects plus i think they age better uh especially yeah. for you know and for the 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 aesthetic that you had in the film for me i enjoyed it i thought it was a lot more fitting than if you would have used more cgi because it was like well now it's taking me kind of out of the film <laughs> a bit for for the look and now you know i know budgetary concerns and that are always there but uh yeah, the gore in here looked good, and you still used it. I will say, I felt you didn't go too overboard with it, where you could have. <laughs> we didn't go dead live. No. You, so I'll admit to a certain extent, some things you just were effects that were built and didn't work sure. the way you want them to. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if even in that case would I have cut it down, mm -hmm. but... So, so, yeah, I, I think I, I like the, the version of the film we had. <laughs> so was there ever a point when you were writing it or, or started coming up with the seeds for it that you're just like, ah, no, we can't do that? <laughs> yeah, and usually it, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had been discussed, there was one thing that we thought we were going to do that we didn't. Uh, mm -hmm. It wasn't really an effect thing. It would have been more of a stunt thing. And, and it also just involved the house. The house that we ended up getting just wasn't designed for, you know, we had a bit where there was going to be a upstairs balcony where someone, uh, they fell off the balcony and onto the table. Uh, and that just, that was reaching a little beyond our means, I think. It, you know, it, honestly, if we did have the right location, maybe we would have actually done it. <laughs> We had a good stunt coordinator, mm -hmm. so we actually could have theoretically done it, but, but it just was not feasible. I did do all my own stunts, by the way. That is true. <laughs> As did Clay. <laughs> I think you're weird. I don't think anyone has I think everyone does their own stunts. I think everyone from the old people to the young people do their own stunts. Well, yeah, that physical action looked really, really good uh, on on camera as well, and and violent and disturbing, and uh, I, I think that was really good. I, I hope no one got too hurt <laughs> while doing those at all. I don't think we did, to my knowledge, other than well, maybe was the worst Dalton. Was he the worst? Or? No, he was not the worst. Jay was the worst. Jay, who was in the car when oh, he gets yeah. pulled out, when he gets pulled through the window, his poor feeties. Oh. Hurt his foot and it hurt for like at least a week. Oh, <laughs> pull another. I felt terrible. I felt yeah, so I mean Jay is like at least three inches taller than me. He probably had like eight to fifty pounds on me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I'm a pretty scrawny guy, so ripped him. But he's a wrestler, so he can kind of he was able to sell it more. <laughs> but obviously, his feet took a beating. Oh, yeah. But also, with that bed, Jay also might have had it pretty bad. Because now, how did, tell me, Andre, how did it work with y'all's costume? Because his costume becomes your costume, but weren't you wearing it first in terms of shooting? I just know someone had to wear a costume. They perspired a lot, again, July, and then they had to take it off, and then the other person had to put on said costume. That which probably was, was true. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so we probably shot my scene first, and then we shot that scene. I think we shot, oh, yeah. I don't want to get a reputation and then we of back. making people share sweat. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, uh, Brett Glassberg. Many takes, and he makes people wear wear sweat. There you go. No, just kidding. 
Jesus. There you go. Like, well, I'm sweating. Uh, no, no, you're close to make it look like it's been in a swimming pool. Now you get to wear it. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to keep... time. <laughs> it tie you guys up too but this is uh i'm just having a blast here uh where'd you get the sword whose sword is it i gotta ask whose sword is it i'm trying to remember whose sword it is i thought That's it might gotta be just like a mall ninja sword right it is but i'm wondering if it was our producers and he already <laughs> had it or if we got it for the movie because I like, we wanted, I knew we wanted that prop because it fit in with that character. It fit in with that character having a dorky mall sword. <laughs> the and mall on top of, yeah, it the, just the mall katana. I loved it. <laughs> the, the idea that a mall katana would actually would ever be as functional as that one was is pretty laughable too. But, so. You know, there's a few things in the movie. That champagne if bottle. If you have a fresh that... mall sword, you probably could kill at least two people before it's broken. Useless. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah. He might not be able to break the skin, honestly. Just use it more like a... Might just annoy like someone. <laughs> oh, well, I can tell you from... I don't know this, but they are sharp at the tip. That You could maybe run someone through, but you certainly couldn't uh, do that. It would still hurt. It would still Actually, be hit with a piece of metal. I did have not a real injury, but the the part where um, Marcella like hits me with the hilt of the sword, like in the ribs, like in the side, like the mm -hmm. tender part, like there was a few times where she really just like got me good, and I was like, "All right, I have to do this." Now I'm not even acting. Now I'm just like, "Fuck," you know, just like. <laughs> but it, I, just not kill on the floor. And not to give too much away, but I will be. I will say, I was surprised who I guess you could consider the actual hero of the film is because that character we don't even see for most of the movie, and and they're the one that actually ends up doing most of the saving, if you will, quote unquote, <laughs> most of the damage to the derelicts, I should say. Uh, you know, was that kind of uh, the way you wanted to go with it? Kind of throw a little bit different to the final girl trope? Because when we en introduced to it, a little bit of a spoiler, but you think the, the, the runner, the girl with the drug addict habit is going to be that person, but you spin it. You spin it on us. I, I, I don't like a movie where I know the ending very very early on and so we like to we like to keep people on their feet <laughs> in our storytelling we like to keep people guessing like oh we want we want you want people to think it's going one mm -hmm. way and then you want to take it a direction they didn't even see coming but <laughs> yeah. especially when you're trying to catch them off guard with something oh hello kitty hello kitty <laughs> Uh, it's been sitting next to me for like five minutes. <laughs> He's like, "Are you going to pet me or pay attention to me or what?" Uh, yeah, I, I know how cats are. Uh, and I guess uh, Brett, just uh, how was this directing your first feature? Because uh, you had you had done uh, some sh uh, short films of that, but this was your first feature, wasn't it? Yes, it was a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. I I didn't look well at the end of the shoot i <laughs> i dropped 70 pounds in a month wow 
Uh, yeah. But but not in the good way, right? <laughs> not in a good way. Yeah. In a very bad way. I really I found I had to I had to go to the doctor. <laughs> I found out I found out I had Crohn's and I wasn't absorbing nutrition that whole time. Oh, wow. and I couldn't recognize that was what was happening because I was so concentrating on my day to day of I'm making a movie I'm making a movie I would go to sleep at night and I would still be on set in my dreams <laughs> and then I'd wake up and be like fuck I'm <laughs> never escaping I'm always here it was a like I had a blast it was a doing it. madness honestly like mm -hmm. about five six days in you know because I felt like we probably scheduled 14 hour days but most of the time it was like 16 or 18 mm -hmm. and then after a certain time we can all just see everyone's eyes just kind of in between takes we were just all like we got a little crazy eye <laughs> a little <laughs> lacking in sleep you know was, but like obviously days to it living for this you know it's all we want to do i mean there was a high to it as well it just mm -hmm. felt it was exhilarating because once you have once you're make once you're shooting you've got to keep the momentum going Especially yeah. when you're on a low budget, you don't have time. You don't mm -hmm. have time to say, you know what, let's take tomorrow off. You don't have time to do that. So you got to get it done. Was this crowdfunded or uh... Par partially? Mm -hmm. uh, the vast majority of our budget came from a lawsuit I won. Oh, well, there you go, <laughs> turning into a positive. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, and in court, they asked me, "What are you going to do with me?" I'm like, "I'm going to make a movie." <laughs> so I'm straight up, and they're like, "That sounds good. It should be fine." Well, uh, we uh, I appreciate all three of you taking your time uh, to uh, talk about Derelicts. It's it's a fun film. We don't get enough uh, Thanksgiving horror, so thank you for that because it's a holiday that really, you're right, it's ripe for the picking. I mean, the deaths that you have in here are very Thanksgiving-related, and I'm like, see this? this is, you've got so many opportunities. <laughs> a lot of room for opportunity, yeah. <laughs> There's so many we could probably think of that we didn't even do. Yeah. But there's 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 still room there for someone else to do something with it. <laughs> there's a lot to do there. Uh, I think so. Well, um, so what is next uh, for all of you? I guess uh, uh, are you are you three working on another film? Uh, are you are you know working on your own projects? I guess what's next for you? I've been writing, but we definitely all have ideas and scripts we've been working on and i think we would definitely like to work together again as soon as possible i think if we if there is another if there's going to be another film i think it will be the three of us in some capacity working on it i hope uh, so i would hope so <laughs> um for sure awesome well uh is there a place where they can uh, folks can follow what work you're doing uh do you each have a website or uh, uh you know somewhere where they can keep up to you well, you can follow me on instagram at bc glassberg mm -hmm. um brett has some really lovely art brett has taken up painting somewhat recently and brett has some really fantastic stuff on there i'm an amateur but that's very kind of you to say but uh, people should check it out it's great stuff Awesome. You know, I'm I'm terrible at the Facebook, Instagram thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but honestly, if there's some you know producers out there in the internet world, I got a great idea for low budget FBI uh, dark comedy. Email me, just my name, Andre of Renos at gmail.com. Um, 
I'm, I don't, yeah, that's what I use. I use. Contact that man. <laughs> Contact me. If anything, he looks great in a teddy bear mask. So there you go. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm great when you can't see my face at all. Even better, you know. I said, Andre, I'm going to put you in a movie. We're never going to see you. We're never going to hear you. <laughs> and I was like, so... <clears throat> Let's do this thing. <laughs> what about you, Clay? You got uh, anything you want to shill? Uh, not for the most part. I'm kind of with Andre. You know, Brad is back in uh, Jersey right now. We're still in Austin, but uh, Andre's got this, yeah, this uh, project he's kind of cooking up, and so I'm. You know, I haven't gotten to act anything for a while, and he wants me for that. So we might just kind of. What any information? Uh, yeah, contact him, and by contacting him, you'd be contacting me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all, gentlemen, for uh, for this. This has been a lot of fun. It's a great discussion. Sorry, my camera didn't work uh, for you today, so you had to talk yeah, to. We would have loved to see your face, but you have a, a beautiful. <laughs> I had to voice. look at these two faces. <laughs> we'll look at Andre right. over here Sorry, with his Clay. eggplant parm. And uh, now I, I stopped eating. Okay, I stopped. <laughs> that, that's okay. You could have kept eating. Uh, the video, like I said, wasn't working properly anyway, so we'll probably just have audio for this. But uh, you could you could Fair just enough. keep eating. I don't want to interrupt your dinner at all. So, uh, but uh, no, no now derelicts so derelicts is now out on uh, for VOD, correct? Or where it's can they find it? At? You can find it currently at this moment up until Christmas Eve mm -hmm. on. Uh, Kings of Horror on YouTube, the okay. Kings of Horror page on YouTube. It is available. It's free. You can watch it. It'll be there up until Christmas. After that, we move on to video on demand. And uh, yeah, nice. check it out. Very exciting. Well, there you go, folks. Check that material out. And thank you to Clay, Andre, and Brett. And uh, yeah, if you've got another film that comes out, love to talk to you guys again for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah.